my wife, if you don't know. I'm going to preach here in a minute, I promise. As soon as I find my Bible. He's going to preach in a minute. But I want to thank you all because you all know I had a week down with the flu. But it's really, really important to, to know that I had you all praying for me. And, and that's, you know, I had a quick recovery and I'm back. And I just wanted to say how important that is. Prayer is really, really important. It's the foundation, you know, that this church actually was built upon. And let me encourage you because Friday nights we get in here and the power of God is falling in here. And we are seeing a shifting, you know, that has been prophesied, you know, that this is a season of shifting and we're starting to see it in, on Sunday mornings in here. If you know that, noticed it, you know, I noticed the last about a month here, you know, we, we've started seeing a shifting in the Holy Spirit. So I just wanted to encourage you all you know, to come if you can on Friday nights because, you know, that's where, that's where we get in here. And we know that the wells have been dug in here through prayer and they are being uncapped. And he is doing a new thing because we're going into a new season, you know, and as we go into the new season, he prunes off the old, you know, so that we can bear more fruit. And this is the season, you know, because the world is a crazy place right now, you know, so, and he's raising up his army, and we are his army, and we are his remnant, and we have an important place, and he wants us to go out into the highways and into the byways, you know, because we are, like, like Lonnie said, we are the royal priesthood, and no matter what we're going through, and we're all going through stuff. Every one of us is going through stuff. But we've already won the victory. The victory's been won on the cross. He's already been defeated. And I like what Ida says because she says she's never going to surrender, you know. So let me just encourage all of you today. That was actually the word we got in the prayer room today was freedom. And Linda actually got a word that so many of you were suffering from, you know, the things that we go through. The enemy likes to lie to us, the spirit of lies and deception, and tell us that, you know, we're not worthy, that we have a low self-esteem. But I'm here to tell you today that God's word is truth. And when we proclaim it, sometimes you just have to proclaim the word. You have to speak it out because it's powerful. And we saw today that Jesus has the keys. He's got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And he's given them to us. We've ha we are more than conquerors through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so I'm here today to encourage you all and to lift you up. I don't care what things look like in the natural, in the supernatural. When we pray and we release the angels, he is doing war in the heavenlies against the principality, spiritual wickedness in high places. And he has been defeated and the enemy is under our feet because the victory has been won on the cross of Calvary. And there's power in the name of Jesus. And his word is truth. It's the absolute truth. And it's the truth that we stand on. And it's the truth because he's given you the keys to set the captive free. And he wants you all to be free today. Because the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. And there, the spirit of the Lord definitely was in this place today. So we want you all to, be, to leave better than the way you came in here. 
because he's taking those keys and he's taking those chains off of you. So we want you to go forth and to take it out into the highways and the byways. So thank you very much. Well, okay, altar call time. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. As you can see, we're a participatory church. Everyone participates. Everyone works pretty much, too. So thank you all for your words, and thank you to my wife. She's just, we're going to celebrate 49 years here in, this year. Isn't that amazing? I never even thought I'd live to be 49, let alone be married for 49. The Lord protected me. Well, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Darlene, for sharing. It makes it easier for me now. And uh, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 26. Who we got back there today? Oh, it's Jesse. Okay. I'll be in the New Living and the King James. Acts chapter 26, and we're talking about Paul here and we're going to talk a little bit about sanctification, which is a very misunderstood word, um, what it means to be sanctified. Sanctification is not a form of dress or a form of behavior. Sanctification is something that happens. It's a process when we place our lives in the hands of the Lord. And we're steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the works of the Lord. So, uh, Paul had a problem because he didn't like Christians. Paul had, <laughs> Paul had a terrible life up until that point. He thought he was, had a good life, but in reality, isn't it funny how God chose Paul to be the apostle under the Gentiles when he was one of the most feared people by the Gentiles or by the Christians? So, sometimes the way God does things is confounding. But when we put our lives in his, in his hands, then faith comes in and we learn how to trust him for a lifetime, not just for a short period of time. So Paul was on the road to Damascus, and you know that uh, he got knocked off of his horse, off of his path, and a bright light shone around him, much like some of your salvation experiences. Everybody in this room could say, this is what happened, this is what happened. But the important point is, is that Paul was living in one direction and God changed it completely in a moment. He provided for Paul's blindness when he told him to go down and have Ananias lay hands on you. God will provide for our sanctification. And I want to read out of the New Living first. Uh, Acts chapter 26 and verse... Uh, 15. Thank you, Jesse. Although he had this confrontation. I would say it's a confrontation that turned into a salvation. 
Sometimes God has to confront us in our lives about the things we're doing or the path we're taking. But the end result of correction from God is that we would follow the right path in the right way. That we would not live according to the lust of our flesh, but according to His will for us. And we know the story. And in verse 15, Paul said, Who are you, Lord? And I asked, and the Lord replied, I'm Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. We are appointed to be servants of the Lord and His witness. And you are to tell the world what you have seen and what I will show you in the future. When we have testimonies here in the church and we see changed lives, that's us telling the world what we have seen. But there's an extra benefit to that. The other benefit is we'll also be able to see what the future holds for us if we follow the path that he puts us on. Not only does he know our past, he knows what we're up to right now, and he knows our future. But he said, I'm going to make you a witness to me, for me, about what you've seen and what you, I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. He said, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes. Hallelujah. Why did Jesus come? Open eyes. And he said, and I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that you may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. How many of you are reminded sometimes of the enemy of your past life and it's ugly and it's not pleasant and all there was was darkness there. But one day we got knocked off of the route we were on and we came into the glorious light of the gospel and we were delivered from that darkness. And you say, we still sin. Yes, we still sin. But we are children of the light now. Our souls are saved once we come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and accept him as our savior. My outward man uh, perishes every day. My outward man perishes. But my soul is saved because of the promise of God. The soul is the place where God resides and makes eternal decisions on where we end up. Everybody in here today, I trust, has given your soul to the Lord. Sometimes it gets confusing because there's spirit and flesh and soul and heart and all that. Just make sure that you've made peace with God today and you've accepted Him as your Savior. There's nothing more important than that. We can get in doctrinal issues from now until the end of time. But the bottom line is, for God so loved the world, for God so loved you, for God so loved me, for God so loved the people of this church and the church down the road, and God so loved me that even though I didn't deserve salvation, one day I was on a wrong path and He came in the light of the gospel, shined in my life, and it changed me forever. And here I am today standing in a pulpit when I couldn't even stand on my own two feet way back. Somebody say amen. That's what God does. Paul was full of hate. He was feared all over the region. He said, I'm sending you as a light to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. What an exchange. We give him darkness, our darkness. He gives us light. We give him our wills and our lives, and he turns us from the power of Satan to God. And then it says, then they will receive forgiveness for their sins. And be given a place among God's people. 
He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. It didn't just say, I'll be. He said, I will dwell. When you dwell in something, that means you inhabit it. The house of the Lord is the place where God speaks to us. It'd be given a place. We've been given a place with all the saints that have went on. Think about that for a minute. We're talking about Paul today. He's went on to be with the Lord for eternity. And we have that same promise. We needed to turn just like he turned. Sometimes God needs to really get our attention. Well, he got Paul's and he got mine. How many of you has he got your attention today? Thank you, Lord. I'll never get done with this, probably. So I've received forgiveness. I've received forgiveness. One of the biggest problems in Christianity today is people, the enemy tries to accuse us and make us feel guilty that we can't be who God says we are. I don't have any guilt left. And if I sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me if I confess my sin to him. But wait a minute. You say, oh, that's a works gospel. I don't believe in a works gospel. We're saved by faith. We can work and work and work, but that's not what saves us. What saves us is our faith in God. Look what it says here. I'm getting real excited. I've received forgiveness. So, see, this is a cure for church problems and, and people that want to fuss all the time because we have to forgive. That's what the kingdom of heaven is based on is forgiveness. Think about it. God is love, but the kingdom is based on forgiveness. How do I know that? Because he forgave me. Paul said he was the chiefest of sinners. That means he was one bad dude. He said he even held the cloaks of those that, that stoned Stephen, and he was in agreement with what happened to Stephen. But he changed Paul. He changed him. He brought him into the light. He forgave him. So the whole kingdom is based on forgiveness. That just came to me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's based on forgiveness. If God can forgive us our trespasses, then we can forgive each other. It's a mandate. It says the the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. I wasn't planning on going that direction, but thank you, Lord. If you have anyone and you have ought against them, you need to seek forgiveness and have them seek forgiveness. Matthew chapter 18 says, go to them. You and them, confess your faults. Say, forgive me. Don't say, if I, say, forgive me. If I, puts it right back on them. In other words, I can't believe you'd be so dumb to think that I offended you. That's not how you apologize. So the whole kingdom is based on, first, him forgiving our sins, because before he forgave our sins, we didn't feel like we could be used by God. How many of you felt useless in your life before you came to the Lord? I was totally useless. Wasn't a good father, wasn't a good husband. Isn't it interesting how God can take somebody like me, somebody like Paul, somebody like Jeff, somebody like Jeremy, 
and turn us into, yeah, turn us in to something that he can use. Let's go on. I haven't even got to the sermon. He, you receive forgiveness for their sins and you're given a place among God's people. And here's the neat part. Who are set apart by faith in me. You know what sets us apart? It's not our works. It's our faith that sets us apart. We, can't, we didn't really have anything to do. Just like salvation. When we believe, it sets us apart. Go to, well, Jesse, can you go to the King James real quick? Just verse 18. I'm making it hard on her here, but she, oh, look at that, how quick that was. King James, both Bibles say the same thing, but look what it says. He came to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance... An inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith. So let me read you the definition of sanctification. To be sanctified means to be set apart for a particular use. How many of you are set apart for a particular use today? Or you might be saying, well, God hasn't set me apart. I don't understand. Being sanctified or being set apart is what he wants to do. And it says, you're sanctified by their faith that is in me. So setting apart and sanctifying is the same thing. In the temple, they had different vessels for different uses. That's why you have spoons, forks, knives. You ever tried to eat peas with a knife? I have, just to see if I could do it. How many of you like to eat soup with a fork? Everything has its use. But look what he says here. You're set apart or you're sanctified by faith in me. So now I want you to go to Jeremiah. So you have to believe in your heart today, as I do, that I have been set apart or sanctified for a special purpose or work. A special purpose or work. That's our lives now as Christians. You say, well, God hasn't given me a purpose. Well, hold on. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 18, and you can go back to the, uh, well, we'll stay in the King James. Jeremiah chapter 18. I wanted to go to Acts chapter 20 and didn't get there first, but go to Jeremiah chapter 18. All right, King James. We're talking about sanctification or setting apart. Chapter 18, verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying this, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he was making a wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. In other words, we are vessels. We're the temple of the Holy Ghost. But it says that the vessel was marred in the hand of the potter. And that's what happens in our lives sometimes. 
We, we are marred because we put blemishes on ourselves by not obeying what God wants and not to believe that we're sanctified and set apart. We have to believe that we're set apart. And it said he was marred. He, it was marred. And he said, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again. Amen. He made it again. Amen. That's what salvation is. We were all marred vessels. We had blemishes. We had faults. We had holes in us. The devil had shot us full of holes. And we had helped him by giving him the gun by listening to what he whispered in our ear. That we'd never amount to nothing. But then the blood of Jesus comes into your life and you amount to everything because you realize that he did it for you. And he makes us over. What God wants to do in our lives is to make us over. He made it again. He made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Now, who's the, who's the potter? It's God. We messed it up. He fixed it. And every time we mess it up, he fixes it. Then the word of the Lord came to me and said, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? He wants to set us apart if we would yield to him. But sometimes it needs to be crushed. In the, in the New Living, it said he crushed it. He crushed the pot because he knew it wasn't fit. He crushed it and he made a new one. Sometimes we need to fall upon the mercies of God and realize that everything that's good comes from him. And sometimes to be set apart totally because it, it, it's a work of sanctification, but there's a crushing that goes on. There's a tearing that goes on. There's an examining of self that goes on. God made me. Go to 2 Timothy chapter... Well, 2 Timothy, yeah. I think it's chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we'll go back to the new living on this one, Jesse. Verse 19, 2 Timothy 2, 19. Look what it says here. It said, but God's truth stands. One thing you can always depend on is the truth of the Lord that will stand forever. The grass wither, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord will last forever. See, my flesh won't last forever, but my spirit, my soul will last forever. So that's the most valuable thing that I have in my possession is my soul. Look what it, oh, it's just so exciting. He said, the Lord knows. See, the foundation of stone, he said, but God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his. How many of you belong to him today and you know it? And it's a stone of foundation in your life. It's what everything else is built on. The Lord has been good to me. Yes, 
When we were working on the orphanage down in Mexico, it was on an old lake bed. Those of you that have been there, it's in a valley. It's an old lake bed. And sometimes it would flood out. And so when we were pouring the footers, which is uh, like a six foot by six foot pad with columns wired in and coming up out of the top of it, we had to go down way, way deep in the ground because it was basically floating on water. And so when we got down to about three feet, the whole hole with the, with the steel in it would flood out. And we'd have to bail it out because there was just so much water contained there. So we had to go way down deep, deeper than we would usually go. And we figured out after a while, hey, we're not winning this battle here. So somebody said, you know what we ought to do is dump dry bags in the water. Just dump dry concrete in the water. And so we just overwhelmed the water with concrete. And guess what? The foundation, the cornerstone, the thing that was holding everything else up was firm and it was stable and it was immovable. It was the foundation of the whole place and the protection wall around it. Because we figured out that there's a different way to do sometimes and that's God's way to do it. And so it goes down deep. It's a description. What did Jesus say? He said, how can I forget you? You're written on the palm of my hand. What's it say, What's it say here? The Lord knows who, are, who belongs to him. He knows it today if you belong to him or not. I got to read on. And all belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver. And some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions. And the cheap ones are for everyday use. I've asked this before. How many of you got heirlooms or a china cabinet full of... uh, Anybody got that in your house where you've got things that have passed down from year to year to year and they really mean something special to you? You know, you don't eat off of them every day. You don't eat off of them. Darlene's got this wonderful china set and fiesta wear in it and we never get it out. She's got teapots from her great-grandma all the way back and we, she's got a chest that's over 100 years old that's just full of these things. And the reason we don't eat off of them is because they're special. And we've still got a, uh, how many of you know what Melmac is? How many of you, when you first got married, had Melmac dishes? You have to be kind of old to remember that. They're indestructible. We went to Sears in in Long Beach, California and took a taxi because we didn't have a car. And we bought everything we needed for our apartment for $300. Television. Melmac dishes. We still have them dishes to this day. They're indestructible. And they're fit for everyday use. You don't put them up in a special place because they're not special. They're fit for everyday use. But the scripture says here, the expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be special utensil for honorable use. And you say, well, that sounds like a gospel of works. Let me put it this way. How many of you, when you go to a restaurant, 
Look at your knives and forks and spoons to see if they're clean. <laughs> Anybody do that? Yeah. If you don't do it, you need to start doing it. <laughs> Sometimes the guy in the back ain't doing a good job. You unwrap the napkin and the, and the fork looks like it got drugged behind a pickup truck for about five miles or something. And why do you do that? Why do you look at it? Well, you want a clean utensil. You want a clean utensil that you can use. And it's not a works-based gospel, but it's the same principle as, you know, when you get a cup, do you look in the cup to see if it's been washed? Why do we do that? Because we want to be clean in the food that we... Why do you think they put expiration dates on food? Because they don't want you buying it after July 21st. Anybody ever cleaned out the refrigerator? <laughs> and it's not that the salad dressing went bad, but it was from 2001. When did we buy this? And you check it because you want purity going into your body. You want to be, you want to use a utensil that's clean. And it's not based on what we do, but it's, it is based to a point that we want to be fit for his use. What the sin does, it, it, in our mind, it or condemns us, sin, that we are not fit for God's use. That's why we try to stay clean. Our salvation is not based on it, but neither is your meal based on that fork, but you want that fork to be clean. Everybody see what I'm saying? You want it to be clean. Not a one of you would say, no, I'll just use this dirty one, it's okay. And so in our lives, also the same way, it says, if you keep yourselves clean, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. It's not that God rejects us or condemns us. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and who are called according to his purpose. It doesn't about that, but he says, if you want to be a special utensil for honorable use, your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for what? For every good now, I'm a little finicky. How many of you men are a little finicky about your utensils? Anybody? John? Harold? I, yeah, yeah. We've got, over the years, Darlene loves the yard sale. And uh, she loves it. She can, her, uh, most of our whole house is yard sale stuff. And it looks like something right off of HGTV, I'll tell you. She does a good job. But we've accumulated all these utensils over the years. We have probably 40 or 50 forks. In various stages, 40 or 50. But I have a special fork. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I have a special fork. And when she sets the table, I look for my fork to be on the table. I don't like a fork that the tines bend on it, if you 
chew on it. I don't like a flimsy old fork. I like a solid-made fork that I can identify that's been with me for 25 years. It's my fork. It is fit for my use, and it is special. That's the way we are in the hands of the Lord. If we'll let Him remake us, He says that we are, can be for a special use. And then you might say, well, I've, I've been trying to make myself, and the Lord hasn't called me to a special purpose. He hasn't really set me apart or sanctified me. Yes, He was. I want you to look at it this way. In that china cabinet is stuff that you only pull out for a special occasion. Well, one day, and I know this to be true because God's done it in my life and He's done it in some of your lives. He will say, hey, it is time to get out the special stuff because I've chosen you for something special in your life, and I want you to get that over old stuff out of there and break out the new stuff and let's eat on a plate how many of you got dishes from the early 1900s with all that lettering around the side and stuff like that I, Catherine you guys was your mom have a lot of that stuff or? well it's even like how many of you got silver like in the old days they used to have them boxes with silver utensils in it and you get it out, weighs about a thousand pounds, and you get it out. Well, guess what? From lack of use, what happened to that? It tarnished. So you had to get it all out and polish it all up again. Well, that's the way our lives are sometimes. We get a little tarnished. We get a little weather-worn. We get a little this and that. But God says, if you realize you're standing in the Lord Jesus Christ and what the blood of Jesus does, you realize that He's in the process of sanctifying you and setting you apart as a vessel that He can use. Being remade. Hallelujah. Now you'll all be leaving here today when you go to eat and you'll be checking all your knives and forks. And you know what's really bad is when you go to a restaurant or something and you, they bring you ice water or something and you get down to the bottom of it and there's stuff in it. Now come on, you've all been through that. You get down to the bottom of the thing and there's stuff in it. And you thought, oh my goodness, I wish I could have seen that. It didn't keep you from eating or drinking but it sure ruins your enjoyment afterwards. So God says, realize that you're set apart today. I realized in 1981 when I was ordained that I was set apart. It wasn't a self-title that I gave myself. There's a lot of self-titled people today. But God said to Paul, I'll put a name on you. Listen now. What was his name before he was Paul? What was that? Well, those names are really close together, aren't they? In other words, he was still Saul, but when God came into his life, there was a drastic change that took place, and he became... See, when the Lord comes in and we realize that we're set apart for holy things, for holy functions, not that we're blameless, but we're set apart, when we realize... God will change everything. He changed Paul's name. Paul couldn't fake him out from Saul to Paul because when they saw his face, they knew exactly who he was. But he changes everything. Acts chapter 20. 
There's nothing worse than a preacher with two Bibles on it. I'm looking it up, John. Hold on, just. Okay. Verse 32. I'll end with this. This was Paul talking to God's people. He said, I now entrust you to God and the message of His grace. Now, we gather together every week and sometimes two or three times a week, but at some point we have to part. And we entrust each other to the grace of God. You know, pastors can't live with people and things like this, but when we leave here, we pray that you've been entrusted into the grace of God, that you know His grace covers everywhere. You're entrusted. We put Him in charge of you, and you put Him in charge of yourself. And He says, and the message of His grace that is able to build you up. There's that inscription or that thing again. You're written on His hand. The message of His grace that's able to build you up. And, get, and then the Bible says that we're temples. We're temples. We're part of the foundation stone. We're part of the inscription now. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life today? If it is, then raise both your hands. Some of you didn't. Well, we're going to give an altar call in a minute and you can get saved. I don't know how you've sat here for 10 years and not got saved yet. But look what else it says. To build you up and give you an inheritance. Not only are you set apart, you get an inheritance. When you think about silver in a box, Darlene has that silver that's been passed down generation to generation. She inherited that silver. So in the same way, we, we, because we belong to the kingdom of God, we have an inheritance that is passed down. That's why it's important to raise your kids the right way in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, because if you don't, the devil will cut off their inheritance as quick as they got it. He will try to choke off the seed. He hates the seed. He wants to kill the seed. He wants to cause rot in the seed. You know, a green bean can either rot or it can sprout. That's how simple this is when it comes to what God wants. And I got to finish. And he says, and give you an inheritance with all those he has sanctified or set apart for himself. So today I'm here to declare that I'm nothing special, but I've been sanctified or set apart for his use today. And we need to realize that. And what's that give us? It gives us confidence in this crazy world that we live in. It gets crazier every day. Have you seen what the politicians are talking about? They've been hounding Donald Trump for two years with stuff that's not the least bit important. They even stand up and say the world's going to end in 12 years. Well, if a Christian did that, they'd laugh you right out of town. Listen, God made this planet. Don't fall for all that stuff. If he can fix a human body, he can sure fix a planet. What needs to be changed is not the climate, but the hearts of men and women. That's what needs to be changed. You talk about climate change. When that bolt of lightning came down and he was blinded by that light, his climate really changed. 
And that night in that Methodist church on a Tuesday night when I went to that altar, my climate changed. And guess who changed it? Amen. I think I almost preached as good as she did. We, we make a pretty good team. So I'm set apart. Are you set apart today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to realize that. I better stop there because I'm becoming redundant, which is a big word for me. I really don't know what it means, but it sounds like something I'm doing. Yeah. Well, my son will go down before that. I want you to know today that you're valued in the kingdom. If y'all got some special stuff put up somewhere, check your forks at the restaurant and realize you say, God hasn't used me yet. He's getting ready to pull you out of the china cabinet. He's getting ready. You know, God doesn't disqualify us. What disqualifies us is the ammunition that we give the enemy to work with. Because he's the condemner of the brethren, the accuser. God builds us up. He said he came into the world to save, to seek and save that which was lost. The devil came into the world to tell you how rotten you were and how worthless you are and how you're not even fit for everyday use. Well, I got news for you, devil. Not only am I fit for everyday use, I'm fit for eternal use. (sighs) Jeremy, come. Amen. Two ex-Navy guys. <laughs> I know the way they used to talk about Navy guys back in the day. They'd say, he's spending money like a drunken sailor. That's what they used to say. Well, God's taken two drunken sailors and turned them into something that God can use. And then after I was a drunken sailor, I was a hippie. So was Jeremy. So was Dave. Dave, you never were. Oh, yeah. God turned us into something that he's using today. And you're all in that cabinet. We're all in there. And God will point out your purpose. On Thanksgiving, sometimes Darlene will get out one of those, uh, what do you call it, that thing you pour out of? A gravy boat. Yeah, a gravy boat. Why didn't I know that? She only does it once a year, and she'll pull out that gravy boat, and she'll make the gravy and put it in there. And You know, most of the time, we just spoon it on our food like this. But that boat, that gravy boat's just delicate. And you pick it up by the little thing on the side of it. And us ravenous wolves that are usually just dipping everything in gravy sauce, all of a sudden, we do it very properly. Once a year, the gravy's the same gravy. Like we're all the same people inside. The gravy's the same, but that bowl is special. 
And when you pour it delicately in there, Darlene will say, now watch that, boys. We don't want to break that. You know, be careful there. I guess you guys today are the special gravy. We're the special gravy. And if the Lord wants to remake us, then come on, Lord. Go ahead, fellas. If you want to just stand and worship the Lord, do that today. Amen. If you need to come and pray and accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior,